Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, hey, we're continuing our series today. Thanks, Pastor Emlyn. Uh, called Rivers, and we're super excited about what God's doing in this season and in our lives. Uh, John chapter 7 is where we're, we're coming from, where this is our, our platform uh, that we're using to, to minister. And uh, this is kind of a life verse for me and really a life verse for our church. This is really the, the, the reality of who we are kind of comes out of this uh, story that we're reading. In John chapter 7, verse, starting with verse 37, Jesus says, Anyone who is thirsty... May come to me. Anyone, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So we put faith, we put trust in Jesus, we come and we drink. And this is what happens. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, when we studied that out uh, several weeks ago, we learned that that word heart could also be the word, the same word that's used in the New Testament, the same word for womb. So out of the life-giving places of your life, rivers will flow out of. Did you know you got a river that's flowing out of you if you're in Christ. Amen. And we talked about that in week one, that when we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. Say that with me. When we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. And then we, we shared, we continue to share about this story in John chapter four, about this woman that was a Samaritan woman. It was kind of shady that Jesus was spending time with her, but Jesus spends time with her. And we've, we've learned from history that she went on to became, become uh, known as St. Fotina. And basically what we talked about is that Jesus doesn't just repair the broken, Jesus rebuilds the broken. And some of us, sometimes we focus so much on, on the repair work of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can you just patch me up? But what Jesus actually wants to do is he wants to rebuild our lives. Because in order for us to contain this river that he wants to put inside of us, he must rebuild us. And then we talked last week that rivers move borders. And we've studied that a little bit about how rivers will actually expand the, the capacity of your heart, that you'll be able to, to know more about God, that you'll be able to experience more about God, that God doesn't put old or new wine into old wineskins, right? And the reason why he's got to use new wineskins to put new wine in is because new wineskins are flexible. And so we're learning that rivers will move the borders of our capacity, the borders of our hearts. So we need to stay expandable. We need to stay flexible. You good? So today I want to continue, and we did hit on this story in uh, week one, in Ezekiel chapter 47. Now this is a vision that Ezekiel's sharing about this river that's flowing from the temple. And basically what it is speaking of is speaking of life in the Spirit. So let's look at that. It says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out to, to the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south gate. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Now, we don't measure in cubits, but a cubit is about 1,750 feet. Okay. So he measures off a thousand cubits and then led me to the water that was ankle deep. Everybody say ankle deep. Yeah. 
So he led me a thousand cubits. I'm in this river. It's coming out of the temple. He's leading me down. He says it's like ankle deep. It's 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 not really deep. You could you could probably drown in that much that much water, but probably not likely to happen. And then he says he went another thousand cubits and led me to a place that was up to his knees. Everybody say up to my knees. Up to my knees. And then he measured off another thousand and led me to a place that was up to my waist. Everybody say up to my waist. So the water is going deeper the further along the river he goes. And then he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. So here's this picture of, of the, the, the prophet having this vision where he says, man, this water's flowing out of the temple. And the further you go in the river, the deeper it gets. In fact, you kind of lose control the further you get down in the river. In fact, you can't walk in it. You can't stand up in it. Nobody can cross it. Either you're going to get in or you're going to stay out. And so today, today I want to talk about deeper waters. I want to talk about the waters that are deeper. And some of you, man, you've been doing awesome at ankle level, right? You've been great dipping your toe in. But today is the day for you to move to the knees. Come on. Maybe you're in the knees. Maybe you need to move the place where the water's up to your waist or maybe up to your neck or maybe to, your, to the place where you just say, you know what? I'm totally, completely yielded to the spirits moving in my life and I will go wherever the river takes me. See, in the river, there's always more in store. There is always more in store in the river of God. There are a lot of depths to the river. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in Odessa, Texas. I know, big city. And uh, Odessa was first famous for uh, the, the Permian Panthers, Friday Night Lights, all that stuff. I went to OHS, the other high school. Didn't stand for other high schools, stand for Odessa High School. But um, most recently, Odessa is known for some of the shootings and, and things that had happened there. But I grew up in Odessa in the 80s, you know, back when music was awesome and hair was big. Come on, it was great. It was a great time to grow up. And I had an awesome childhood. And I remember on Saturdays, we would go to this public pool at this park called Sherwood Park. So we said, man, we're gonna, what are we going to do Saturday? We knew what we were going to do Saturday. Friday night, we were going to go to the mall. Come on, maybe cruise the drag. And then on Saturday, we are going to go to the pool. We are going to go to Sherwood Park to the pool. So we pull up, you know, in our T-top Trans Am, listening to some Journey or some Def Leppard. Pull up there, you know, everybody's looking awesome with their big hair and their, you know, torn cut-off shirts. And we're walking, and you guys have seen Stranger Things, right? That's the era I grew up in. So we, we go in, and we... We would pay, you had to pay, in order to get into the Sherwood pool, you had to pay a quarter. Isn't that awesome? So we pay a quarter, we go and spend the whole day at Sherwood Park. I don't know what my mom was doing, but she was dropping us off at the pool. We actually didn't drive a, we didn't drive a, a T-top. We actually had a, it's called a Cordoba. I think it was a Cordoba or a Cordova, but it was made by a Chrysler. You're like, oh, I've never heard of that car. Yeah, it's because they weren't awesome, so they didn't last very long. So my mom would drop us off. We would you know, run across the hot pavement on our bare feet. We'd go into the pool, pay our quarter, and go in. And once you got inside, there was all kinds of activity. I mean, it was a place to go. It was a jam. They got, you know, Def Leppard blaring through the speakers. Everybody's rocking out. And you go in, and, man, there, was, there were people sitting on these. They would lay out on these concrete slabs that they had for people to go and do their tanning. And there were people that were sitting along the side of, of the pool. And there were lifeguards there. There were people that were there to work. And there were people in the shallow end. There 
There were people on the deep end. There were people at the concession stand buying Chico sticks. Come on, a big league chew. Come on, we knew what was up. And uh, we would spend our Saturdays at this pool. And I remember as a kid going and always wanting to be, when I first got there, I would always hang out in the shallow end, right? Because that's what I was comfortable with. Right? And I get into the shallow end and, and I hang out with my friends or my brother's friends or whoever there we were there. We'd have splash parties going on. You know what I'm saying? We were, we were having live at the pool. And it was a big pool, especially for a small city. It was a big pool. I mean, it seemed like it was endless. You know, of course, that was a lot smaller back in those days. And I remember that being in that water and, and always thinking, man, I wonder what it's like. I wonder what it's like on the deep end. I wonder what it's like to jump off the diving board. See, because at the end, they, had, they didn't have just one diving board or two diving boards. They had three diving boards. They had two standard diving boards, and in the middle, they had a high dive. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about, the high dive? And I remember one day I developed enough courage. I'd kind of been swimming on the deep end a little bit. I'd kind of go and hold on to the side, you know what I'm saying, try to see how far you can swim. I think it was like 18 feet deep. I don't think they make pools like that anymore. And I remember getting out and climbing that stairway to heaven, right, to go up to that high dive. And I jumped off the other diving boards a couple of times. And I remember, man, if I was going to be cool and I was going to get the chicks, I was going to have to go off the high dive, right? If everybody... If all my, my, my friends are going to make fun of me, then I'm going to have to do the high dive so everybody will see that I got some courage. And so I remember, you know, going up that ladder that seemed like forever, my legs shaking, eight-year-old Josh Brown getting to the top of this high diving board and walking to the edge. And you, you guys know how those diving boards are. They're kind of bouncy. You think it's, it's about to break. It's about to break under my, you know, 120-pound body at the time. Probably didn't weigh that much. I remember just standing there, and I remember finally just having a, kind of the courage to just kind of jump off. You know, I didn't give it a bounce on it. I just kind of like stepped off. You know, that was good enough for me. And of course, eventually I got, became a pro at it. But I remember at the pool, man, there were people doing all different kinds of things. And I, I think that that's kind of like the kingdom. You know, in the kingdom, we have people doing all kinds of things. Some people aren't really in the kingdom at all. They're just, they're just kind of at the pool park, right? They're, they're kind of hanging out on the outside. Maybe they're at the concession stand hitting on chicks, right? Maybe buying some hot fries at the, at the, at the concession stand. Some people are just out there to absorb the sun. Some are just there for the fellowship. But some actually get in the pool. And some are, some are at the pool, and they've got their feet down in the water. And then some people are actually, they're actually in it. They might not be deep in it, but, hey, they're in the water. They're moving around. They're splashing with their friends. They're having a good time. And then there's some people that are down on the deep end. Come on. There's some people that are willing to dive off the board and try to go as deep as they can go. And I remember as a kid, we used to do that. We had swim down. See, let's see if we can touch the bottom. I remember not touching the bottom, coming up and be like, I touched it. I touched the bottom. I didn't touch the bottom. And so I remember because it was deep. And you know what I've, what I've found is that a lot of times in the kingdom, we have people that are willing to go on the deep end that aren't willing to come down and hang out with the people at the shallow end. And there might be people on the shallow end that ain't willing to get to the deep end. But the reality is this, is that in the river, there's always more in store. And so maybe you're at the shallow end. Well, come on down. Let's get a little deeper. Wherever you're at, there is more. There's more for you to explore. Come on, there is more at the pool of the Spirit. And really, there's, there's kind of what I would call three depths, if you will, of life in the Spirit. The first would be this. This would be the drawing depth. This is where you go to the pool, you get to the pool, you pay your money, you're there, but you aren't willing to get in. 
right? There's something about the pool that's appealing to you. There's a, there's a tug that says, I want to get in the water. And sometimes we're in the shallow and that tug is saying, I want you to come into the deep. I remember as a kid being, being drawn to go to that, that deeper end. And Jesus talks about this. He says that no one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws them. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying that the Holy Spirit is responsible for leading you to Jesus. See, you don't, you don't come to Jesus because some preacher did a really good job preaching the gospel. You came to Jesus because the Holy Spirit drew you. Now, he may use a preacher to do that, but you came because the Holy Spirit was drawing you. No man comes to, the, to me unless the Father draws them by the Spirit. The, the word in the Greek there could actually be translated drag. No one, no one comes to me unless the Father grabs them. It's kind of like some of y'all got drug your kids to church today, right? Drag them. Jesus said that this is what it is like. I am drawing you. I am wooing you. I am pulling you in. And many of you are feeling the drag. You're at that place. Maybe, maybe you're kind of just hanging out on the, the sun tanning bed. But there is a drag, and you need to respond to the drag. Some of you are in the shallow end, and you're feeling the drawing. Just respond to the drag. It's a lot easier just to respond to the drag. Respond to the drawing than it is to resist it. Because next week, the drawing will be there again. And it's a good drawing. It's a good drawing that the Holy Spirit won't leave you, leave you alone. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't leave you alone? I'm so grateful that the Lord doesn't leave me alone. When I'm sinning, when I'm making more choices, I'm so glad that he's going, no, stop that. That's not who you are. I love that. I'm glad that he doesn't leave me alone. There's a drawing. The second uh, level of being deep in the spirit is, is, is being born again. And those, that are, actually, those are, are the people that are actually in the pool. Now, it doesn't matter really what end you're in. You're just, you're in it. Right? You're, you can't sign me up. Some people say, well, I, I prayed the prayer or, or whatever that looks like to you. But you've actually not just prayed a prayer because I think we've minimalized uh, salvation. In some ways, we've grossly minimalized salvation to a prayer. Salvation, listen, s- salvation is not a prayer. It's a transformation. It's a transformation. And born again, Jesus speaks of it this way in John chapter 3. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless we know that the Father has to draw us. And then he says this, unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, he explains it right here. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Did you know that we were all in this room born, born into water, right? You were all born of water. You all were in a belly that had water in there, fluid in there that sustained your life until you can come out. You were born of water. All of us were born of water. But Jesus says to come into the kingdom, you can't just be born of water. You can't just be alive. Oh, everybody's born again. No, Jesus said they're not. Not everybody's all born again. He's like, you've got to be born a second time. You've got to have a rebirth. Have you had a rebirth? Have you got in the water? So Jesus says, born of water and born of the spirit. We call this being born again. It's not just a prayer. It might start there. It's a great place to start. But spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. You've got to be born a second time. Have you been born a second time? Don't tell me you prayed a prayer. Are you different than you were? 
Has Jesus made a transformation in your life? You didn't fill out a card. You didn't just come and get have water put on you or be put underwater. You've actually had a transformation of heart. Have you been born again? Some of you need to respond to the drawing and be born again. But there's a third level. And this is the level I want to focus on today. And there's a lot of levels in this level. And the level is being immersed. Everybody say immersed. Immersed. See, in the river, there's always more in store. So it says in Psalm chapter 42, verse 7, it says, deep calls to deep. David is saying this, deep calls to deep. It's like me when I was in that shallow end and I saw the deep end and I thought, oh, man, I want to go down there. I want to touch the bottom. The deep was calling me. It was beckoning. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. What is he saying? He's talking about being immersed, immersed in the presence of God, immersed in the depths of God. I've had people, you know, kind of say sometimes, like they hear a message, it's like, that was deep. And I'll tell them, you're deep. You know, you've got a deep well inside of you. And deep is calling wherever you're at. You're not shallow, beloved. Maybe you were, but you're not shallow. There's more to you than that. There's more to you than your struggle. There's more to you than the, than the tension and the self-talk. There's more to you than that. Will you explore the deep places? Will you go for it? Will you be immersed? He says, your waves and your breakers have swept over me. They've swept over me. What is he talking about? He's talking about being immersed, fully Immersed. So we, we talk about being immersed. Did you know the, the actual Greek word for the word baptize? The reason why we have a weird word like baptize and nobody really knows what it means is because the early translators were like, well, we don't really want to tell everybody it means immersed because we like to sprinkle. That's a little easier. And so the, tr- the early translators didn't use the word immersed. They chose to leave the word in the Greek baptize, and that's the word in the Greek similar to, the, to that word. The word is baptizo. And that means to whelm or to make holy wet. You okay? Not, not saying if you've got sprinkled that that's not legit, but the word actually means that. And check this out. When Jesus is talking about Jesus being baptized, it says this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is talking. Now, when we talk about John the Baptist, we're not talking about John the Baptist like that's what denomination he's part of, right? He's not John, John that goes to First Baptist. He's John the Baptizer. We call him John the Baptist, and we've, we've named a denomination after that. So I baptize you with water for those who have repented of their sins and turned to God. So what's the idea there? The idea is this, is John was a baptizer. People would repent of their sins and start following God. John would baptize them. He was baptizing for the remission of sins. How many of y'all have been water baptized? Okay, awesome. So what that means, that means that you've surrendered your life to Jesus. That means that you've been born again. So you get water baptized to be a sign and a prophetic symbol that the old life is going to death under the water and it's being resurrected into a new life. That's what we see here uh, when the Apostle Paul talks about it. And so what John is saying, he said, listen, I can baptize you, but Jesus is coming and he has a different kind of baptism. Now, you need to have the baptism of water. It's good. It's important. Jesus said to do it. But the guy who's coming, I can't baptize you in that kind of baptism. See, I can't, as your pastor, I can't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can do that. And that's what he says right here. Remember, immerse. I can't immerse you in the Holy Spirit. 
Only Jesus can do that. That's what it says. I baptize the water, those who repent of their sins to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slaves and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, you can baptize people. You need to lead people to Jesus, and you baptize them. Don't just have me do it. Hey, Pastor, you need to baptize. You, you let them to Jesus, you baptize them. Awesome. But only one person can baptize people in the Holy Spirit, and that is Jesus. And when he baptizes, he says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's intense. So John's baptism was a sign. Jesus' baptism is an ignition. Jesus' baptism is a fire starter. One gets you wet and speaks prophetically. The other brands your heart and empowers you for impact. Let me say that again. One gets you wet and speaks prophetically. The other brands your heart and empowers you for impact. You want to be influential? You want to have impact? Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I, I want to be more victorious in my walk for Christ. I've been baptized in water. Awesome. What do you need? You need more of the Holy Ghost. You need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You need an immersion. Now, that word that we use for immersion, you okay, baby, is the word, is a word that, that we borrowed from the dyeing industry. By dying, I don't mean death. Dying like color dyeing. It's the immersion that they would get leather or fabric and put it underwater. So they, we borrowed this term from them, and we, we've kind of left that language there for political reasons, really. And so well, this is what most people do with, with their experience. Woo. It's <laughs> good. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And what do I have? I have a... I have a towel that's got some water on it. But immersion means that you get immersed. In fact, that immersion is, is a process of one thing that used to be a white towel. Now it's a red towel. Right? So I, you wouldn't look at that towel anymore and go, oh, I, I'm a white towel. No, no, no. Its identity has changed. I had someone come to me after, after second services. What happens to a pickle when you put a pickle in vinegar? I mean, not a pickle, but a, but a cucumber. It's just a cucumber. But when you let it soak in vinegar for a while, it becomes a pickle. You don't call it, hey, go, go, go. Not a pickle cucumber. We do that with everything else. But now with pickles, you know what we're talking about. It's, a, it's something different. And so you don't, you don't go around going, well, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm just, no, 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 no. Your identity has been changed. This is why Jesus said, I baptize you. When you go and baptize people, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. What are you saying? They're saying that their identity is being lost and being immersed by the Father, by the love of the Father. Their identity, you are now hidden in Christ. Their identity is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your identity has changed. You're no longer a white towel. You're now a red towel because you've been soaked and drenched in red dye. You are different. 
That's what baptism does. So when we talk about immersion, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're not, we're not just talking about a couple of things that will look different in your life. We're talking about a total transformation. See, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Before, see, before the Holy Spirit would come on people, right? Oh, I need to, I need to, I need to clear up that mess. So let's put a, little, put a little water on them so they can go over there and clean it. But it doesn't change the instrument. It can do some things because it's been empowered. And that's the way, that's the, way the Holy Spirit was under the old covenant, right? He would come up on people. But in the new covenant, listen, because of the work of Jesus, because of Jesus ascended to the Father and said, greater things than you do, it says this, it says that the Holy Spirit, as we've been studying, comes from within you. It doesn't come on you. It comes from within you. And it's not something that comes on today and leaves tomorrow. It's something that remains. It's something that stays. But many of us, we've been living this life of, oh, I'm dry, I'm going back, I'm going dry, I'm going back, and just drink. Dip a little, dip a little, dip a little, dip a little, and he wants to transform your life. See, uh, when you think about wells, what does a well do? Does a well provide water? Not really. A well just taps into what's already there. So when Jesus comes, you've got the Holy Spirit because you believed in Jesus. You've been born of spirit. But there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit where your life is totally submerged in the spirit. Do you see that there is a difference? You know, it makes me think about Genesis chapter 2. When God created the earth, it says that water, that it hadn't rained. It never rained until, until the flood. But it said that water would come up from the ground and water the plants. That's how they got watered, from within. Listen, did you know your life, when you're a new creation, that you aren't watered by the environment and the things that happen to me and even, quote, unquote, where I go to church, the group that I'm a part of. No, no, no. You are watered from the life-giving spirit that is inside of you. Would you tap into that well and let the Holy Spirit flow? Have you been immersed? Have you been immersed in the river? This is the thing. Okay, baby. So we talk about overflow we talk about being filled. Will you grab that one for me? This is what most of us think, right? Oh, Lord, come on, do work. Yeah, man, church is good today. Mm, man, I just, I had a great devotional this morning. It's so good. As on the way to work and Holy Spirit invaded my car. Mm, so good, right? And, and optimists would say, man, I'm, what, more than half full. I'm about 90% full, right? Not 10% empty. Some of y'all would say, that's, that's empty. Well, actually, you would be correct in saying that that glass isn't full. It looks pretty full, but it's not full yet. Right? How do you know it's full? See, you don't know, you don't know it's full until it's overflowing. Right? So some of you were like, well, I just need enough, I just need enough Jesus to... To kind of take care. Listen, beloved, Jesus doesn't want to just take care of you. He wants to overflow in your life so that you're getting everybody around you wet. Everybody is being impacted. Everybody is being touched by the immersion that you're experiencing. Have you been immersed? Have you been transformed? In order to overflow, you got to be overfilled. 
Are you being overfilled? Is there a continuous flow of the Spirit in your life? Are you being overfilled? <laughs> I love you, baby. All right. That's good. I was trying to be, like, funny and cute and flirty, but it just did not come over very well. Thanks, babe. Just don't throw the whole thing on me yet. You can do it after service, though. Okay, thank you. So you know something's full. Listen, you know something's full, not by how actual full it is, but measure it by its overflow. That glass is really, really full. Have you been transformed? Let me ask you another question. Are you being transformed? Are you being immersed? See, we need to understand that in the river, there's always more in store. So how many of you want to go deeper in the river? How many of you want to get more immersed? Well, it all starts. How, how, how does it start? How does it start? Well, it starts with desire. Before I get into that, I, I got to share this story. A couple years ago, a couple summers ago, we went to uh, Austin, and we spent a day in San Marcos on the river. If you've ever done that, you, you know it's awesome. And so you get these tubes. You go and rent these tubes, and you go down. We got our family, our big family of six. you know. And so Judah, he's like kind of at the age where he's wanting to explore a little bit. So he gets on his tube. And he starts going down the river. Well, my job is to make sure that he's safe. We got Leslie over here taking care of Uriah, and Moriah is going to help Leslie take care of Elisa. So they're kind of together, and Judah and I are kind of together. I'm kind of chasing him down. She's kind of making sure that things don't go crazy with the littles. And uh, so we're going down, and, you know, the current's moving. We're on the river. We're going down. And Judah, man, he's, he's a hard, hard to keep up with. I'm just, you know, it's kind of kind of floating around, trying to catch up with him. Finally, we get to kind of the end, and there's this play area, and there's, you know, all these people are there kind of gathering at the end. And I look back, and I see Leslie, and the Littles and Moriah are way back there, and they're stopped. And I'm like, what are you all doing? Hi, you know, waving at them and, and all this kind of stuff. So about, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes later, they start getting a little bit closer, and they pull up, and, I, and I'm like, and Leslie's like, <sighs> And I was like, what happened? She's like, well, I fell off. And, and she's frantic and kind of freaking out. She's like, I got off my tube because I saw some people standing up. And whenever I got off, I thought I would be able to stand up, but I wasn't. And there was all this stuff happening under the water that was kind of controlling me. I couldn't handle the depth that was there. The river was moving. And so sometimes what we tend to do is we tend to look at others at the place that they're at in the river and we say, well, they're not where we should be and they're where they are at. But the, the important thing is this, listen, are you yielded to the river? Are you yielded to the river? And understand this, the river is wild. And the river will take you, get this, the river will take you oftentimes places you don't want to go. And the problems kicked in is when Pastor Leslie decided, hey, I don't want to go there. I want to go this direction. That's where they were going, so I want to go there. Listen, we've got to follow the Spirit's leading. In the river, there's always more in story. So it all starts with desire. Let me suggest this to you today. Any desire you have to be closer to God didn't initiate with you. It started with Him. It was His idea. No one comes to me Unless the Father draws them. It's his idea. He wants more. Listen, he wants you to have more of, more of him than you want to have more of him. He wants more. His desire is bigger. And the, the reality is, is you can want what he wants, or you can have your safe, packaged, little, boring Christian life. 
See, people that check in and out of Christianity, let's just get here. People that check in and out of Christianity have not experienced the fullness of of the Spirit. That's exactly why. Because it is more exhilarating, it is more life-giving, it is more transformational, it is more fulfilling than any other life. If you say, oh man, I tried the Jesus thing. You might have tried the Jesus thing. You might have dipped your toe in the water, but did you get in the water. Did you get in the river and allow the river to do a work in your life? And I'm telling you, beloved, it is the most exhilarating thing you can do. So don't settle for a packaged little Christian life. Your little bedtime prayer walk. Awesome. We do bedtime prayers every night. But it's bigger than that. It's a lifestyle. It's a taking over. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Listen, you hunger, you thirst, you will be filled. You will be filled. You, you, listen, God will not let you down. God will not disappoint you. Will you have enough desire to say, man, God, I'm hungry. I'm more hungry for Jesus than I am to satisfy my flesh. To satisfy my carnality. You say, why do, why, why, why do you do certain things? What, what, what is the, the fuel behind your holiness? The fuel behind my holiness is I don't want anything to get in between me and my relationship with Jesus. That is the fuel. So my desire for Jesus is more than my desire for sin. My desire to have, be in connection with Jesus is greater than my desire to give into something that would hinder my pursuit of Jesus. What's your desires like? The second thing you got to do if you want to go deeper in the rivers, you got to ask, seek, and knock. Now, I know that they sell that little plaque at Hobby Lobby. Come on. I know you get that little plaque and think, oh, ask, seek, knock. That just means whatever is on my prayer list this week. Awesome. I believe it transcends what I'm about to talk about today. But when Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 11 about asking, seeking, and knocking, he is talking about one thing specifically, and that is the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, hey, if your your father's a good father, he gives good gifts to his children. So if you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Or you ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. My father gives good gifts. So he's teaching us on what the Holy Spirit. He's like, you want the Holy Spirit? Like, yeah. And he says this, I say to you then, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, the door will be opened. Are you asking? Are you asking, God, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, I want more of your presence in my life. Are you seeking, Lord? Not just about a 20-minute devotional in the morning, but with my life when I'm in my car, I'm going, God, I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want more of your spirit. Are you knocking on the door? Father, I want fellowship with you. I just want to be closer to you today. I want to to feel your holy heart. I want to know your affections for my neighbors and my friends. Lord, I, I want to know you. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Listen, if you do that, it says that it will be answered. The door will be opened. He hears you. Ask, seek, knock. Pursue, pursue, but not just that, because unfortunately, most of us, we answer the door, and we go, yes, it happened, check, I'm going to rest here a while, that's what we do, so we have these monuments in our life, and most of us, if we were to say, yeah, I had this experience with Jesus at this point in time in my life, 
and we camp out there, and we say, man, that, that was it. That was the hinge point. No more hinge points. No more moving. You just, boom. That happened. The end. I gave my life to Jesus. The end. Beloved, that's the beginning. We go from glory to glory. Okay, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Then I got called into ministry. Awesome. What is God doing in your life now? Are you continuing? And if you want to get in this river, you've got to continue in the river. And there's deeper things. Listen, listen there's always more in store. There's always more in store in the river. So don't just have an experience. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast and three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Leslie used to make this stuff called fondant. She used to do cakes. You know what fondant is? Fondant's like a, like a, it's kind of like an icing, like a sheet of icing. And she would make this with like all these like good stuff like marshmallows and powdered sugar and stuff. And she would have to make it a color because they would want like a red cake. And I remember her telling me, red, red fondant's the hardest to make. She's like, it just requires so much work. And I would watch her. And she'd put a little food coloring in there and she'd work it in. She'd put a little bit more food coloring in and work it in. And the more she added, it began to permeate. Come on. The more she added, it began to permeate. And she began to work that fondant until it transformed into the color that she wanted it to be. And Jesus illustrates it that way. He's like, he's like listen, the kingdom is like a little bit of yeast and a whole lot of dough. you got to work it in. And are you continuing in the work of the Holy Spirit? Or do you just have a little drop put on you and you leave it alone? Thank you, Lord. Oh, woo, that was so good. Man, church was so good on Sunday. What, what about today? Have you worked it in? Have you worked in what you're experienced? Work it in, beloved. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. The New Living Translation says it, says it this way. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. One translator did it this way. Instead, be inebriated by the Spirit's fullness. The, the Greek, where it says that, be filled with the Spirit, actually means this. Be being filled. Not just, I'm filled with the Spirit. No, it's a continual flow of the Holy Spirit. Listen, he don't run out. He don't run out of water. It just keeps on pouring. So are you in the flow of the Holy Ghost? Are you inebriated with the Spirit's fullness? Be being filled. Are you be being filled? Or have you just been filled at one time? Have you just had a moment with God? And I just had a God moment in my life. It is, are you having more? He has more. In the river, there's always more in store. Are you experiencing life in the river? I want to minister three things today. I was asking the Lord. I've been doing this lately. Lord, what do you want? Not what do you want me to say, but what do you want to do? And I felt like the Lord gave me three things that he wants to do today in your life. Number one is this. He wants to deal with emotional dysfunction. Deep discouragement. I went through a season a couple years ago of deep discouragement. And it took some time to get it out of my life. And this is what Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants. In other words, that river is going to pour not just on you. It's going to get on those 
that are your descendants. It's going to pour on to your children. It's going to pour on to your family. It's going to pour on to your coworkers. It's, it's even going to get on your enemies. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. And they will thrive like watered grass, like willows along a riverbank. Are you thirsty?